to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL, that's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L, and Believe.com. This week we talk about Overwatch 2 reveals at BlizzCon and the Overwatch World Cup. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the second half, or if you're listening to this first, I guess the first half, of this week's Believe in Overwatch League podcast, and this is also our 10th week of casting, our 10th episodes. Happy anniversary to our little baby podcast. Yay. Overwatch podcast turning 10 episodes old. Yay. (laughs) They grow up so fast. They're in double digits now. <laughs> oh man, um, I didn't ask you this earlier, but what what do you think is the uh, the most surprising thing, or one of the things you learned about, I guess, either Overwatch or podcasting or both from doing this? So this is actually like my first time doing podcasting in general. So I thought that this is it's a really cool format, like just being able to do long form, uh, kind of let everything flow off the top of your head and get it out. Um, it, it's a really cool format that I definitely want to try out for other topics potentially later. Yeah. But so far, Overwatch has been one of the easiest things to talk about, and I'm glad that I have a co-host so we could actually uh, bounce ideas off of each other. Oh my god, I can't like I didn't know how essential it would be to have a co-host while doing this. Like I could not do this on my own. Having you to yeah, bounce yeah. ideas off of or like talk about things that I don't know about is so helpful so helpful yeah i remember when believe initially like contacted me about this position they were saying like they wanted to do because they're used to doing like per team things right right Um, yeah like theirs is like usually they're all in la right so they focus on la teams like you know lakers clippers uh dodgers all that stuff uh and they were asking me it's like hey do you think that like bay area esports could be a thing just like honed down and i'm like there's only a couple teams that keep the san francisco name on their like logo right and that's the two nba 2k teams we have the golden guardians and the sacramento kings affiliate i forgot what their real name is um and then we have like the san francisco shock right um and they're like, could you do an entire thing just on the San Francisco shock? And I'm like, ah, that's really tough because, you know, that's just them. Mm-hmm. You need to talk about their opponents and their league like completely. And they're, and I was like, I don't think I could do the entire league on my own. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll look into it. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do Overwatch League completely, I'm not going to be able to follow like all 30 teams on my own. Oh man, that'd be um, that'd be quite the feat. Exactly, it's not, and I, I wouldn't be able to like bounce it off of anybody either. So I'm glad that they they found you, and right? They made, yeah, they made this a thing, uh, or else I would be 
straggling the entire week. Like when I started this, I I found out about it through LinkedIn, and I just I was at a film working a film festival in box office. It's the L.A. Asian Pacific Film Festival. If you ever happen to roll through and I'm working box office, please say hello. But anyway, I was working that and like I sent off the application and like, okay, I don't think this is going to come to anything. But then I got a response back and I sent them a bunch of ideas. And what they were first interested in was me covering the entirety of esports. And I don't follow the entirety of esports. All I know is Overwatch League. So I'm like, Oh crap, I'm going to have to learn League and God forbid, I'm going to have to learn Fortnite. So when they finally yeah. told me like, hey, we're just going to have you focus on Overwatch League. I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I don't have to learn all this stuff. And then they're like, yeah, you're going to have a co-host. I'm like, okay, well, that should work. That'll be easier because I'll be able to bounce ideas off of somebody. And thank God they did that because like, there's no way I could do all this analysis by myself, especially because I've like never actually played on a team. I've just had my PS4 in me. I like didn't expect though how many technical difficulties we would have. Like technically, this should have been our eleventh episode. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a lot of issues technically wise, both ends too. Like my sometimes my mic just doesn't want to pick up my voice, and I had to like unplug it, replug it in. Um, and then also like, you know, these past couple of podcasts, you can probably hear me like super nasally like voice. I've been recovering from something. I don't know. I caught it over the weekend, uh, during the Halloween break. So hopefully I didn't catch like some sort of sickness by eating too much candy because <laughs> that's not going to stop me. You feeling any better? Um, my head cold is better than it was initially i'm just congested i'm not necessarily like feeling like complete garbage so i'm okay all right i think the coolest thing about this being like our 10th week casting is that we're covering overwatch 2 blizzcon and world cup on our 10th so yeah we have a lot to talk about yeah shall we yeah let's get into this world cup news okay Blizzard World Cup, which happened this year on November 1st and 2nd during BlizzCon. Um, so before we get into what actually happened, uh, Blizzard had a, a bit of controversy going into this because it's supposed to be the World Cup, right? So you're supposed to have as much representation from countries around the world who have teams. But leading up to this, there have been a lot of teams who haven't been able to come due to just financial straits that they're not able to raise the funds to both, I guess, pay for whatever registration they need to pay for, plus their flights, their food, their lodging for these at least two, three days that they're going to be here. In, in this um, this article that I'm looking at from the loadout, it doesn't say when these countries have pulled out. There's no like timeline. But 13 countries at least had to pull out because of financial troubles. They are Romania, Argentina, Egypt, Israel, Switzerland, Bulgaria, Malaysia, Greece, Peru, Kuwait, Poland, Chile, and Brazil. Um, that's a lot of representation that's not there. That's a lot of countries that aren't there. And if you're looking at this list, like Switzerland, Mercy is Swiss, Egypt, you've got 
Temple of Anubis, Phara, and Ana, who are from there. Brazil, you got Lucio, Greece, it's got Ilios. Like you have countries that are represented in Overwatch, and their countries can't even send teams to represent them. Um, I know this is uh, stoked a lot of criticism on Blizzard's part that they're not really interested in giving us a a good Overwatch World Cup. They're just doing it because if they didn't, it'd be an even bigger headache as outrage from fans. I was personally like really excited to see the matches and the clips that I did see, just to see the different play styles of all these different countries, to see how it works out when it's not mixed country teams, where it's just the teams from that country and seeing how it's different from what, the way that they're playing in the league. Um, there were a lot more varied comps than what we see in Overwatch League itself. Like we saw, I saw a lot of Hanzos and Zens and different things that I haven't seen played professionally in a while. I had I had a lot of fun watching it, and I I wish that there was a way for more support for these countries to come and play Overwatch for our enjoyment. Yeah, I feel like Blizzard could take a page out of Valve's book. I mean. They did with Overwatch 2 already. If you haven't seen that episode, go ahead and check that one out first. Yeah, another thing that they do that Valve does really well is crowdfund. And when they do crowdfunding for Dota 2 in particular, I'm taking their like flagship game here, for example. They make sure that they have the money to fly out the team and pay for their lodging and their stay and their transportation. Like just the things that they desperately like need that they could actually provide. Food-wise, they can go out and get whatever they need to get. Um, but I mean, like, you'll probably have like a snack table at, at the event itself. I feel like Blizzard should be able to cover, uh, whatever teams they want to invite. If not, honestly, if you don't have enough space for these teams, just make the pool smaller. Just have only 16 teams that qualify and then fly those teams out. Um, that way you don't have to worry about like cutting teams because they were, they just weren't represented. You just make it so that the best teams you can provide for and then they they just play it out right correct me if i'm wrong also like were the group stages single elim no they were round robin uh there were a couple of uh how can i describe it like you have to play in your small group i think you play two or three matches in your group stage um and then whoever has the best record gets the okay best seating so there was there was no single elim in this it okay. wasn't single Elam. You played against, I think, I think you played at least two games, maybe three. Um, and then your record, your map record is what allowed you to okay. move up or move Because I was reading, I didn't get to watch the group stages. I was busy and there were also way too many to watch. Um, but one of yeah. the criticisms that I did see was that it was like countries would come, they'd spend all this money all this hassle to come and then we're eliminated really quickly. Um, not single stage as you've just clarified, but even then like two, three maps and then what you're, you're kicked or two, three rounds and then you're kicked out after spending thousands of dollars. It's kind of disappointing for that team. I'm sorry. For, I feel bad for them. Yeah. It was kind of disappointing to not be able to see all of that. Um, well, we did get to see all the group stages if you guys wanted to sit down and do that. But um, it's kind of sad that we didn't get to see them all perform on like the main stage. They all had to play kind of like in a private session 
and then the best teams got to play on the main stage. It would have been cool to just see everybody play on the main stage. At I least think with once. all the money that they paid, they definitely deserved some time on the main stage. Like it's not it's not cheap to fly an entire team out to America. Since I missed the pretty much, I saw some clips and highlights of the group stages. But since you, I think you saw more of it than I did. Do you want to go over that? Yeah, uh, there was a lot of teams that showed up and. I'm just going to go over like the main notes that we could take away from this. The The main points that I wanted to make from the prelims is, first of all, you have to we have the Overwatch League currently in the offseason right now. So players who are on these teams are potentially being scouted out as well. So if anybody really caught your attention, you can probably see them being picked up by an Overwatch League team in the near future. This is why a lot of the contracts that are ending right now might not get picked up again. With that being said, the Netherlands um, did very well. And we weren't expecting a lot of people from the Netherlands to be really, like, really, really good. But they did end up upsetting teams like Finland and a lot of, like, really really great teams there was a facility facility did really well um on his farah and that's one thing that we usually don't get to see that well or that much but uh, i'm glad that they at least put on a show um meanwhile canada on the other hand didn't have the greatest of showings this year uh they didn't win a single match nor a single map during their group b run which is unfortunate yeah, them being a powerhouse, what, it was last year? They technically, they came in second last year. Yeah, it it was not, it's kind of sad not to see them up here, at least giving the U.S. a little bit of a, a little bit of a headache there. Um, but on the other hand, the USA did perfect in their, uh, in their matchup. Last year, they got knocked out by the United Kingdom um, in the group stages, or they didn't make it that far and the uk was the team that actually knocked them out so during the group stages they got the revenge on the united kingdom and they beat them 3-0 and then they ended up beating south korea as well um during the group stages now this is south korea team it was still very strong they've had that you know we're the best team every year kind of mentality but to have the u.s do that um was kind of a precursor to what happened later um but definitely a good showing by the united states during the group stages um meanwhile in group b um china did really really well um it's because they have really good overwatch league teams teammates playing together um they play a very interesting style they used to be very slow and steady as a lot of teams were from china but now they're being a little bit more aggressive because of gu shui and playing around the uh the Winston pick they're willing to be a little bit more aggressive and then France was actually the first team to take out South Korea um, in the group stages and that was with Soon on the Widowmaker if you've seen Soon during any moments of these uh, these World Cups the the boy was popping off there's a reason why he's still in the Overwatch League and he's one of the scariest guys in the entire league so it's a really quick recap of the group stage if anything, I can see a couple of the players from the Netherlands being picked up for the Overwatch League because most of the other players who are on the other teams are pretty much already secured. Also, um, another thing, Blizzard still has not addressed this. I don't know if they ever will, but it still drives me crazy. Danny Lim and all the casters are still forcing that damn hug after the matches with the super fan. 
it still looks so uncomfortable for the fans. Like, I can't remember which match it was. I think it was after South Korea won the the bronze, but I can't remember who it was. But the fan, they like they shook hands, they passed the jersey, and they were fine. They were done. And then again, Danny comes in and says, hug. And they have no option but to hug. And it's just the death in their eyes. Please, Blizzard, stop this madness. Yeah, you, they should still enforce that uh, what does the fan want to do kind of thing. Yeah. Rather than uh, just letting them do whatever like they want. Like people are not comfortable with physical contact. Um, and then now, like, what exactly. are they going to do if they say no on stream? They like they look like a jerk. Anyway, I also did not get... I only saw the tail end of the quarterfinals. Did you see any of that? Oh, the quarterfinals? Oh, yeah. That was... yeah I, fell, I fell asleep. I was waiting for the quarterfinals, and I was on my couch like, I'll take a nap. I'll catch the quarterfinals when they're on, because I was watching the group stages. And then when I opened up my laptop to check, like, it was at the tail end of the quarterfinals. So I'm like, oh, damn it um quarterfinals that was south korea versus denmark and then the netherlands versus france when south korea played denmark it was pretty one-sided not gonna lie uh south korea just was dominant and i was kind of glad to see them do really well it kind of gave us a little bit of a warm-up taste to see what architect uh choi hyobin and you know the rest of the team especially since they have such a star-studded lineup um they had, you know, Budosin, IDK, Mono, Choi Hyobin, Hoxall, Architect, and Carpe playing uh, on that team. It's kind of insane to see them play at this level. It was, it was fun to watch because most of the time on the shock, you see Sinatra on the Doomfist. We got to see Architect pop off on Doomfist a little bit too. So a little bit of a precursor of what we got to see later. Meanwhile, the Netherlands and the France, uh, Netherlands versus France. Now, this game was actually really, really close until about the third map. <laughs> the first map went France's way. They did really solidly. They just kind of were enabled. But the Netherlands came back really well. Um, this is what I'm saying. Like people who are trying to scout out and pick up new players, you should be looking at Vizility. Um, he's currently on. Let me just make sure that I'm correct here. Um, yeah, he plays for the Montreal Rebellion, which is the the academy team to the Toronto Defiant. Um, so Vizility is was insane on his Farah, and he did really well. And same thing with Tri-Spear. I have to give that guy some credit, too. He currently played... Well, he played for Square One, but Tri-Spear was really good on his Zenyatta. And that's something that we don't usually get to say. Um, but seeing him on Zen being kind of like an off pick and following up with the rest of his team, they actually took Blizzard World with it. So I really give him credit for that. But then they went to Junkertown and then uh, France just let Soon off the hook and Soon just popped off and was insane. So very good push by by the Netherlands to get up there. I do give them credit for putting up a really good fight. And if anything, I hope that we get to see some of their players in the league pretty soon. Pretty soon? Um, Meanwhile, you know, the United States, yeah, well, I mean, Soon is already on a team. He's on the, uh, he's on the Paris Eternal. Oh, man. The France I've team. lost my pun streak. Uh, so, <laughs> no, 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 you, you had it. But yeah, and then the U, the U.S. and China had a bye, so going into this next round. So, essentially, that's what led up to the South Korea versus the United States map and the France versus China map. Now, uh, 
Another thing, I just want to give a shout out to my broadcast GG fam, uh, Lemon Kiwi and Jake, for casting that Netherlands versus France match. Uh, I see you guys. I'm I'm glad that you guys are out there representing broadcast.gg and showing that we're not just like a group of people who just sit around and comment good games. We actually get up there and are making our way, especially through contenders. So congrats to you guys. I hope to see more of you guys, hopefully in the league. Yep, that that's about it for quarterfinals. And we could get to the semis, the, the fun stuff. So the first semifinals match we had was the USA versus South Korea. I wish this was the finals match, but, you know, we, we got it a little early. This is what I expected to be a finals match. It, it felt like a finals match, just by the way how it, it went down. It was kind of insane, not going to lie. As, an, as a San Francisco Shock fan, I was literally torn through this entire game because I wanted both teams to do really well. You have Sinatra, Super, and Moth on the U.S. side. And then you also have you have Architect, Choi Hyobin, and then also Krusty, the coach is coaching south korea so literally the team is split in half at this point i i watched this match like two or three times over so first map was busan they played on sanctuary first and the interesting thing is that the u.s started out with sinatra on tracer now we usually don't get to see tracer usually it's like a you know last minute desperation pick but they decided to roll with it early to try to get into the back line and be a thorn in their side and it really did a lot of work as they secured sanctuary first it eventually did fall apart and they went back to a standard Doomfist Reaper composition and then ended up taking Sanctuary. So US took Sanctuary first. Then they went to downtown and Korea went went to town on them. Actually, like, Carpe was on the Reaper and just ran through them completely. Um, and then Choi Hyobin had a three-man flux that was just able to keep them all off later down the line. But yeah, they end up taking downtown and they tied the map record 1-1 and then they went to Mecha Base. During Mecha Base, the US really couldn't break open the initial push. So they they lost the point pretty quickly and then Choi actually held off everybody with the three-man flux to take Mecha Base. And then so South Korea actually went up to take map 1. I was like, "You know what? That's that's the first map. Busan, it it was in Korea's Korea favor. Had to win like we kind of we kind of knew that that was going to go that way. Map number two went to Hollywood. It, they had to, they had to win Busan. It was their home map. So you know what? We had to come back and win Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood was map two. And this was pretty insane, actually. Um, Sinatra and Corey did a lot of work together. So Sinatra was mainly on the Doomfist and Corey was on the Reaper this game. The initial push uh, was opened up by Corey with a Death Blossom. And then later on, they stopped South Korea at point two with a Death Blossom. So um, they used that to stop the initial push and then Sinatra cleaned up everything else afterwards. So that really did go out into their favor. The U.S. ends up being the second one to push off and they end up winning map two. That's pretty much the highlights from that. Just Sinatra and Corey were insane during map two. Uh, Map three, Gibraltar. They both pushed all the way to the end and Architect actually had to stop the momentum that U.S. had on the first push. They, he gets like an excellent death blossom, but it doesn't stop him from getting all the way to the end. Meanwhile, South Korea pushes it all the way to the end with two minutes and two seconds left on the clock. Two minutes and two seconds ends up becoming three minutes because they had to give you know U.S. a minute to work with. So the second push that the U.S. had, they actually get like a Bastion setup and they they just pirate ship their whole way through to checkpoint number five and. It's really impressive the way how they played it. They played it very cleanly. And the only thing that stopped them was like a couple of really 
well-placed ultimates and to stop them from checkpoint number five. South Korea is playing with three minutes and two seconds left on this clock. The U.S. decide to hold up close. Now, how close are we talking? We're talking like at their spawn door close. Okay, so these, <laughs> the U.S. decides if we can stall out this fight and force as many resources out of them as we can, as early as we can, we could guarantee that we stop them and not let them have any progress on the point. They end up surviving for like two minutes straight. They had to make South Korea use ultimates to wipe them off the point. And at that point, they came back at the very end and prevented them from getting point A by blowing a ton of ultimates during the second fight. So they hold them off on Gibraltar because they because the U.S. held close. It's kind of a it's something that happened the year before. Team Finland was known for doing stuff like this, where they would just hold really close and burn time off the clock that way. So the U.S. taking a page out of Team Finland's book and taking a win to take the map lead and the match lead. All right, map number four was Horizon Lunar Colony. This one was kind of kind of weird, not going to lie. Uh, South Korea pushes um, caps with a minute 11 left because Choi had an amazing flux on Sigma and ends up capping both points with a minute 11 left. U.S. do the same thing with just a minute even, um, and that was really capitalized by Corey's three-man death blossom that allowed them to push on through. During the second push, okay, so the score is already 2-2. The U.S. do the Symmetra TP strat that we saw the San Francisco Shock pull off earlier in the year. When you do the strategy, the initial thing that you do is go straight to point. You all TP on and then you hold in the back corner. That is just what all teams do. Team USA decided to approach it differently. They TP'd to the left of the point. Now, what this did is that it set up the expectation that, you know, when South Korea drops, they're going to be right on top of you. And that's going to be fine. But because they rotated to the left, it gave them more time to work with the choke that's on the left. And their two barriers were able to block enough of that space. And that's what got Choi Hyobin and Mono caught out early. Um, and because of that, they were able to cap the point quickly. Um, but they couldn't cap point number two. Now, that made it very difficult for them later down the line. But that was something that they were able to do with a minute on, on the clock. So it was a really interesting push. And something that we could all take note from. It's one of those things that only happens once before the other team figures it out. Point number, uh, the attack number two, South Korea gets a good halt off initially and pulls Corey off of the high ground off when he's on Bastion. What this did is that it drew, it, it essentially pulled them off and allowed them to win point A, but they couldn't get point B, so it ends in a draw. So once again, the score is 2-1. US has the lead um, after map four. Now, map five, this was uh, this was bonkers. OK, not going to lie, <laughs> like map five, Nepal. OK, uh, <laughs> Matt could clearly see these notes that I wrote. Um, it's just like a whole bunch of just like, OK, guys, what are you guys doing? Um, There's the big caps, some of the nastiest, cheesiest stuff I've seen. Yeah. Um, Nepal Village. This is something that only works in like plat games. I, I don't understand why this worked here, but the U.S. went to the initial spawn or the initial like fight with Reinhardt, Genji, Symmetra, Sigma, Moira, Lucio. Okay, like this shouldn't work. <laughs> okay, Sinatra was on Genji, uh, Corey was on Symmetra, and they had super on Reinhardt. Okay, so that's like one of his calling cards. We saw a Dragon Blade that killed like four people. We saw a Reinhardt teleporting shatter. Okay, like <laughs> there was a TP in the middle of the map 
that we saw and Super is in the corner. Usually as a Reinhardt, you just sit in the corner and you wait for that to happen. But he showed himself at the beginning. They built a teleporter for him and they thought, oh, they built the teleporter to allow Super and the team to retreat, right? And so they all rotate around and then he just shatters them and he catches out four. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. And it worked. So <laughs> I give him credit for that. Because they're running double shield, Corey had uh, the Symmetra beam all the way up to 100 and just running through everybody that way. It was insane. Um, but they end up giving up the point at some point. Um, and then they switch back to a, a basic composition, you know, the Reaper Doomfist stuff that's currently in the meta, and they end up taking it back. So the US takes Nepal Village, but only after seeing some of the nastiest cheese that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and if you're going to watch any match, that was probably the one to watch. And then they go to Shrine and so the U.S. already took the first map. U.S. rolls out with a very standard composition this time. They end up winning the first point pretty quickly. They almost hold it down, but Architect comes out, and it's one of the highlight plays that you might see from literally any place that's doing Overwatch World Cup recaps. You see Architect go out and just straight up kill five on his own, and it's insane. And we're like, this, consider, consider this is the guy who's playing behind Sinatra. Like This, <laughs> this man literally destroys his counterpart in a matter of seconds and retakes the point single-handedly for South Korea. It did not hold up though. Um, as we see, they ended up pushing back. Corey responds with a three-man death blossom and they push. And then we just see the celebration start flying as the U.S. takes the game 3-1. This is like, this is huge for, I wouldn't say just esports. Well, not just for Overwatch in general, considering that South Korea has been the top every single year since the games come out but it's also huge for like north american esports in general we're no longer like the joke that's always behind korea we, we actually can say that we are the top now my only my only thing from the tail end that i saw when i woke up from sleeping on my couch was that from what i saw korea had some good plays um they just, they just couldn't seem to get the completion against the U.S. And they seemed to be operating on different ideas of what to do. They didn't seem to be operating on any coherent plan. Whereas with the U.S., they, they were clearly the more in-sync team, which I think is what, from what I did see, is what got them the win. I think another thing that I want to point out is that Korea's team this year is kind of like a fresh face, if anything. Most of the players who were on last year's team weren't on this year's team. Meanwhile, for the U.S., we had repeat players. Yeah, we had it's, it's mostly uh, the same team. Space Sinatra, Rockus. Um, the only difference was pretty much like Corey, Super, and Moth finally like getting some playtime in. So it was really interesting to see them rehash their entire team essentially for for Korea, considering that. They kind of had a go-to mechanism to make it work, and then they decided against running the same players that they had for the past few years. A few things that I was surprised Team Korea didn't pick up, like Jonak uh, or Violet even. Like, both of those guys have insane output numbers on their on their healers, and they none of them were picked over IDK and Bedosin. That's just coming from team numbers and league numbers that we've seen, so... Overall, this is probably like one of the most insane matches that I've seen in a while, uh, the USA versus South Korea. So if you're going to watch any again, go ahead and watch that one. 
All right, so let's move on to uh, the second part of our semifinals, which was China versus France. Okay, so the, the first map that we saw from China versus France was Busan. We started on the Mecca base, and the story pretty much of Busan is France will take it early, and then China will come in, and it's a back-and-forth contest. For Mecca base, we saw this happening, and China eventually was able to take it 100-99, to went to city center, um, the downtown area. Um, again, France takes the early control, back-and-forth with China. Um, Jinmu was really China's key in this point, but France was doing a good job of focusing Jinmu down so that China really didn't have an answer on how to push in. Um, France takes this map. And then on Sanctuary, which was the really big map for me at this, or part of the map for this, France, again, got first take. A late contest from China to flip it in OT. Um, China gets it. They're going back and forth. China gets it. Um, and they get up to around the mid 90%. France has one last chance to fight this and contest. And holy crap, the the contest from France, it was a lot of trickling in. It wasn't, it was a lot of the swapping on the heroes, you'll know, will get there fast. And somehow France was able to trickle it in against the whole, the whole six team of China and take that map. It's one of those maps that like you have to see to believe. I was just getting off of BART. I went to the Academy of Art uh, after the US versus Korea game. I was immediately hopping on BART, but by the time I got off, I was like, I caught the end of this and I was like, this is what is France able to do right now? Like I saw the, the wit going down. And I'm like, you know what? France isn't going to do anything. And then, yeah, they they just had the never say die attitude and pushed on through. For those of you who don't know what BART is, it's Bay Area Rapid Transit, right? It's not you're not hopping on some dude named BART and like riding his shoulders all the way down. <laughs> oh no yeah yeah for sure he's, he's about uber driver <laughs> um no um yeah bay area rapid transit it's uh pretty pretty garbage but it got me to where i needed to go so we're good but yeah anyway like this was one of those times where like a lot of teams might just say okay they've got it we'll just get them next time no no team france wanted this they showed up they took the point and like you said you had to see it to fully understand the insanity that was this last minute point flip into the well into like 90 plus percent see next map was hollywood china attacked first um this was a lot of good of france holding at the chokes um france held at the choke for a very long time in the first point eventually china was able to take the point but france did a good job of essentially holding them at their spawn like they burned a lot of time keeping the car at that first point that didn't even move towards the gate um china was able to eventually move france off of them but they had to burn a lot of ults to do it and even then there it wasn't it wasn't even a clear continuous progressive push france was able to push china back to their spawn a lot of the time unfortunately for france that meant that they were kind of extended a little bit too far ahead which hurt them in the long run because when they did that China was immediately able to use their regroup at the spawn to catch France out, eliminate them, and run back to the cart and push it until France would repeat the same process. Eventually, they did 
were able to push to point three. Eileen and Jinmu pretty much were the stars of the show for China throughout this entire matchup. France attack, really uneventful. They couldn't even make a single tick progress. China full held them. Um, if anything, this is just showing how strong China was, especially on Hollywood specifically. Um, considering their lineup as well, like it is just the uh, it is just the Chengdu Hunters plus Gushui and Eileen. I mean, they are a very tight team, and they were able to just do what they needed to do to push through. And I'm glad that you know we got to see this high level of play. Usually, we don't get to see this from these kinds of teams because. They're all straggling at the bottom of the Overwatch League, but, um, you know, if if they all just got onto one team altogether, this would be scary, especially for the next right. next upcoming year or so. So the next map was Gibraltar. Essentially, it's the same thing that we saw in Hollywood. China was attacking first. A lot of really back and forth stuff. A lot of ult burning from China to get France to move back. I think the one notable thing that I had from this map was that FD God's placement of immortality fields on France's side was really key. That's what allowed France to stay alive for so long against a lot of China's um, ult assaults is that FD God placed the ult, uh, the immortality field exactly when he needed to, exactly in the spot where he needed to, where it wouldn't get taken out immediately. And it would allow his team to stay alive and eliminate the ulting uh Chinese players and that's really the only thing that was notable about this map again France tried pushing really early um they got a lot of early progress on point one um there was a point where the casters were saying that this is the point where you should be swapping off of your attempted bastion pirate ship comp um France didn't do that they were still trying for the amp matrix stuff with the bastion didn't work France lost the point so the next map was Horizon. Again, China attacked first. Uh, China did a dive comp, which we haven't seen dive comp in a while in normal Overwatch League. So it was cool watching to see how effective dive was against the bunker shield comping that France was doing. This is something that I want to point out specifically with Team China. They're very good at dive compositions because Gushui... Uh, that just because Gushui, uh, he's one of the scariest like main tanks that is willing to be aggressive in that style. So he made his name off of being a Winston main, but it was really cool to see him on Wrecking Ball as well, especially on Horizon Lunar Colony. It's one of those sleeper picks that now that Gushui has done it on Horizon Lunar Colony, whenever I pick it, people don't think I'm throwing the game um <laughs> i actually kind of know what i'm doing with hammond um and i really do appreciate that like he's proving to a lot of people that hammond and winston are pretty viable on horizon and it's not just because of the lore <laughs> just because the lore anyway so um so china attack they went dive comp and eventually did get that first point um, moving on to the second point, France did a really good job of their defense about switching up their strategy, switching up heroes when they need to. China wasn't really able to get any good solid pushes. Um, even with their ult burns throughout this map, France was able to defend very well so that they didn't get any value out of that ult burn. 
I think they only got. Did they even get a a, a tick on this second point? I don't believe they did. I, I don't think so. Okay. So no tick. China was only able to get that first point. Then came France's attack. France took that first point very quickly. Um, China wasn't able to really do much th- flank around from France and China was caught up top, a May wall up to block that little window. And that's pretty much free progress for France. Um, they had five minutes and 12 seconds to take one tick, one tick on the second point. And for whatever reason, France could not do it. Uh, you had Jinmu barraging and rocketing and doing whatever Jinmu did. Plus, you had Eileen just running around with his Reaper as well. That was so much time. Five minutes and 12 seconds, and they couldn't get a single tick. The last map we went to was Nepal. Started on Village. Um, France actually took uh, didn't take the point first this time. China actually was the first one to take this point. China used their dive comp once again against France's double barrier. France really didn't have much of a response to what China was running. France flipped it to their favor at 82. Uh, China flipped it back at 72 percentage. At this point, France tries to trickle in. No, no doesn't do anything. China was able to hold very easily. Um, again, in Sanctum, China once again took control of the point first. Um, Eileen was really key here on over France on Reaper, just literally waltzing all over that team. China full capped without a, without any peep of progress from France. Uh, China advances to the final round. My takeaways in this were France was really good at starting out with this, but they just lost momentum really, really fast. They were good at starting, but couldn't complete. Um, Eileen and Jinmu had some really big plays, really good key kills, a lot of ability to catch out France when they really needed to be together, stopping pushes before they even started. Uh, a lot of really good team wipes from uh, from Jinmu. And then France had to go right from this back to back into that bronze medal match where Korea did win. Do we need, do you want to talk about the bronze medal match at all? I don't really think we need to. We don't, we don't have to go over it. I mean, it was pretty much straightforward. Korea is the only real contender, in my opinion, to go up against the U.S. And the fact that they brought it to a 3-1 with you know us going the full distance of five maps um we kind of knew that like korea was going to be coming in like full swinging even if it's just a bronze medal match they're going to be fighting yeah. for every little scrap that they can get they're going to walk away with um, something yeah and against france especially after they had to play what was it they played five maps against china yeah. right yeah after playing five maps against china they had like a 15 minute break to regroup and then just go back out there and try to fight Korea. Like 15 minutes is nothing. It's not. Yeah. It's not a lot of time to really, to really regroup and figure out what you want to do. So, um, yeah, there wasn't really a lot to take away from this other than the fact that Korea was well rested. They were ready to go. Um, France had to go back to back. They put up a huge fight, especially, Showing, you know, we're not to be messed with. Even if we're only fighting for bronze, we're not a team to be slept on. 
All right, so now we go into the grand final match of the Overwatch World Cup, and it was China versus the USA. Um, this is where, for me, it started becoming very reminiscent of what we're used to seeing with the Overwatch League, a lot of the Reaper, Doomfist, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. meta that we saw, the standard picks. Um, so first up was Ilios. First map was Lighthouse. U.S. took the first control, and they're, they, they committed a lot of ults to keep the China off the point. Um, China flipped it at 56%, then USA flipped it back at 88 Um so it's a lot of just trading ults. It's not, it's back and forth. It's not really any dominant one side at this point. Um, China took Lighthouse after U.S. kept trickling in and couldn't uh, couldn't cap anything. Pretty much the rest of this is just back and forth. Now, it wasn't really, for me, it wasn't dominant on any one side in any of these maps. Yeah, it wasn't too one-sided, but considering that, once again, China is playing with some great Overwatch League players, and same thing with the U.S. It's just that the U.S. just got off of a match with probably the second strongest team in the league or in the uh, in the World Cup, and the fact that they didn't have to face Korea in this match, I felt like really helped them move move forward. Right. So we went Ilios, Kings Row, Dorado. That was and yeah, it was over, it was in, over three. in three. Um, even even though it was over in three, like. China still put up a really good fight. Eileen and Jinmu were doing their best. I just think a lot of it came down to the ult economy and who was better at getting value out of their ults. I feel like the U.S. did a lot better at that than China did. It, once again, as you stated, it was pretty straightforward, cookie cutter, uh, straight from Overwatch League to World Cup kind of deal. Um, I do have to say that the U.S. was playing with momentum here. Um, once they got that first win, usually they get a little, uh, a little more aggressive and it really did pay off going into Kings row and Dorado. They were just kind of rolling with a lot of momentum, um, and kind of figuring out how China works once again, like these guys are all used to playing against each other, um, to a certain point. So, um, if anything, I really have to give credit to the coaching staff for, the U.S. They really did take their notes and figured out how China works, um, and really taking it to them, especially for this uh this final. This year, they let the uh, fans decide who the MVP was, and no surprise that was our boy Sinatra, who said he thought it should have been Corey, which was funny. And um, they asked him, "So, does this mean that you are the best Overwatch player in the world?" He said, "Yes." Um, I mean, results don't really lie. He's he's done some pretty amazing stuff this past year. And I'm glad that Sinatra actually pointed that out. I do agree that if it were up to people who were actually like really deep into the game, uh, we would have given it to Corey. Corey really popped off on half of those games. Having Sinatra win this accolade means that not only is he the Overwatch League champion and the Overwatch League MVP, he's also the World Cup champion and the World Cup MVP. So he has a lot on his resume. Uh, there's a reason why the San Francisco Shock signed this kid even before he was eligible. This also proves Corey's on the Washington Justice. If the Justice build around Corey and make him great, like make a team that will help Corey become like the greatest player they can, uh, 
they could easily be a contender next year. Like they, they were one of the first teams that took a win off of the Vancouver Titans. You really think that they're going to be slept on later down the line anyways. If you're, if you're looking for another team to cheer, that's going to be the underdog. I would say look towards the, uh, the Washington Justice in the near future. And I mean, with all the restructuring that the league teams are doing right now, we never know what's going to happen next year. Yeah, there's only a couple teams that are like, you know, still set in stone, which is essentially like the San Francisco Shock, the Vancouver Titans, pretty much like locked in already. Um, and then I think the Philadelphia Fusion are pretty much done as well. Um, and then I believe the, I think the Hangzhou Spark are keeping their team too. So um, there might be a couple changes here and there, but everyone else is kind of scrambling around picking up who they can, picking up who they want. So we'll see how that plays out. So overall thoughts on the Overwatch World Cup? I think that if you are a scouting agent, uh, which I certainly am not, but if you are a team that could be looking for some players to potentially pick up in this next season, you'll be watching over these clips over and over again. You'll be looking at teams. You'll be looking at players whose contracts are either expiring or currently up in the air. And you want to take full advantage of what you can take. I hope to see some of these guys show up in the near future, especially in the Overwatch League. So hope that you guys were taking notes like Matt and I were. So many notes. Actually... Since I was asleep for part of it and there was too much to take in, I actually took less notes than I normally do. Yeah, and my notes are pretty condensed. I just write up what I thought was important from the match. That's the sad part about being a color commentator. You only remember, like, the bigger parts. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much the big takeaways. If If anything, it... I'm glad that the USA finally won this year. It was our year to do it, and we finally did it. Um, we're no longer like the joke of esports. Uh, NA esports exists, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad that we could we could prove that on the Overwatch League stage. But that does also mean that we now have a target on our back, and now everybody else is going to be trying to go after us. So let's just hope that we can produce the same results next year and uh keep it going and see overwatch 2 become the next one next year well hopefully we do see an actual world cup next year considering all the rumors that blizzard doesn't actually like having one they just do it because they know we'd revolt if they didn't do it i mean it's cool to have i i think that it is something that they should keep every year i mean they're doing it for starcraft and hearthstone anyways you might as well just wrap it all up at blizzcon too i mean hope and also hopefully next year they find a way that they can include more teams or i don't know I, i think that having more teams and more countries play just improves the level and the strategies and the gameplay that we see i just think it it strengthens our community as a whole to have this event and to have as many and as many different people as we can playing this game on a public stage. What was that? A spring on my on my mic. All right. We're all good. Okay. Well, with that, is there anything else that you wanted to say? 
Uh, nope. I think that does it for Overwatch World Cup news. If anything, I'm just excited to see what happens in the offseason. If any of these players get picked up or if players get shuffled around, we know that lots of players are getting shuffled around, but it's just a matter of where they land and if any other players decide to get picked up. I think this is a great opportunity to incre- increase the diversity of the Overwatch League as well as to pick up some female players and put them into the league so it's not just the boys club so that the only female presence we see isn't just the the casters and the hosts and Gaguri every once in a while. We haven't seen Gaguri. Does she is she still alive? Does she still exist? Are they feeding her? I don't I don't know. Uh <laughs> I hope so. Hope we get to see her later. I mean, if Diva comes back into the meta, we know that we'll see her. That or Zarya comes back in the meta. It's just unfortunate that the heroes that she plays aren't aren't in there. They're sadly also the heroes that I play. So <laughs> yeah, that's there's a reason why I'm not climbing the ladder right now. I mean, I'm climbing the ladder because I know how to DPS Moira. That's it. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Overwatch season is ending. By the time that this comes out, it's probably over. So just let us know how you guys did in your SR placements. Are you looking to group up with people next season? Or are you just going to try to solo queue it again? Solo queue. I recommend teaming. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, plus, we'll see if any of the new meta shifts uh, come out and shake things up, or if this World Cup will allow players to play Zen again. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this week's episodes. Um, if you haven't already taken a listen to our BlizzCon episode, please do that. And if you have, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, let us know if there's anything that you want us to cover, anything that you want us to look into while we're on the off season. Um, so we're not scrambling around for content because now that BlizzCon and Overwatch World Cup have happened, um, we're pretty sure that things are going to quiet down Overwatch wise for a little bit. We will see you next week and have a good week. Stay safe. And, uh, yeah, don't fall victim to all of the Christmas stuff that's already starting to happen. We still have a month before December, guys. Calm down. Yeah, guys. Calm down. Uh, calm down. Wait, we can't we can't celebrate the Christmas season until the Christmas event drops in Overwatch. Can we all just make an agreement to that? We yeah, we saw Thanksgiving. Guys. Wait till Thanksgiving. Like, wait till Black Friday. Yeah. Not now. Like, yeah. We had Christmas decorations in October in stores. Like, I was parking uh, my car from work today and like we're four days into november and someone's already got their christmas decorations up i swear like there's a house in my neighborhood that's already decorated it's not okay yeah guys wait until we're all broke after black friday before you start putting up your lights and spending more money on your electric bill than you can on actual gifts (laughs) so that's not calling out anybody in particular but yeah just save your money for black friday because that's what i'm going to be spending all my money on and then i get to be broke for another year (laughs) i'm going to be broke before that because hamilton is coming to la and since i didn't blow more money on my chemical romance tickets i'm blowing it on hamilton (laughs) so there you go 
I have a wish list already made of what I'm gonna buy on Black Friday, and it consists of just random stuff that I just want to make sure if it's on sale, I'm buying it. If not, I'm asking for it for Christmas. That's just like the the one-two backup plan, you know. For Black Friday, I'm probably gonna get the new Star Wars game. Hopefully, um, I need to get a new PS4 controller because for some reason, um, my buttons are like frozen and like you'll have to press real hard to make them like push and then they'll click um my sister won't admit it but i think it happened when she was watching the flash on my netflix she's in the next room so i'm hoping she doesn't hear this anyway um yeah thanks for tuning in um drop us a line if there's anything you want us to cover and we will see you next week yep see ya Next week, we discuss the off-season moves in the Overwatch League, as well as bring on a special guest. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Like what you hear? Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in O-W-L. That's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape. Or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save-